Wow, do we have a ton of quack. I have been backing up the truck for the last few hours. There's just so much this week. Like, was this maybe like one of the better weeks in Oregon sports in recent year? I, I would, I would, I might have to agree with that. Basketball beat number 20 Baylor at home. And Oregon football beat Stanford in one of the most exciting uh, games that I can remember. Yeah, I was I was at the game, and I think that, that was like the most excited that any single person has ever been at Stanford Stadium. I've heard that the stadium is a pleasant place to visit. You know that, <laughs> which is not good. <laughs> In my my summary of the game, so I've gone, you know, I've gone to the, I've gone on the road to Washington, and I've experienced that whole whatever thing. You, that thing. Um, yeah, Stanford was hands down the most pleasant football experience of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, we drove down, hit no traffic. We found a free parking garage, a five minute walk from the stadium. Um. We got the first open parking spot in said garage. Oh, my God. And then we won the game, mm-hmm. and we walked out, and there was never a single moment during the entire day where anyone was talking smack to mm-hmm. any Oregon fan. Like, Stanford, they lost the game, and their fans kind of just shuffled out, and everyone was on their merry way. Yeah, they're oh well, good sport, good sport. And I and and yes, if you've never been to a Stanford game, the rumors are true. It's wine and cheese tailgates everywhere. Really? Yes, that's fantastic. But they do have a very lovely tailgating area. It's in like this like arboretum grove type area. Okay. Um, very very pleasant atmosphere. If you like football without all the intense hoopla Stanford's for you yeah um how how full was it based on being there in person because it did not look even that like there were that many people there yeah 20 minutes before kickoff it was empty um like literally the general admission sections like behind the end zone uh, on the side closer to the student section there was probably you know probably 50 to 100 people in that's in those sections um it filled in eventually like i think people were i mean i guess it was kind of an awkward time for a kickoff but it was never it was never 100 percent full um let's see what the how loud is it? Um, quiet as church mice. What was the ratio of guy uh, of guys to girls uh, <laughs> of uh, Duck fans to Stanford fans? Um, let's see here. I would say so. Stanford Stadium is fifty thousand people. I would say there were. Um, I would say you know I'd probably say that there were. 40, 45,000, 47,000 people there. Um, 
it's tough because I was in the Oregon section, so it mm-hmm. seemed like there were way more of us. Um, uh, but I mean, I would I would say it was like your you know your average road game with like a well attended road game. Um, I don't know about ratios or anything, but it was it was very well attended by by Oregon fans. A lot of you know a lot of alumni, a good group of students who made the trek down. Um, there were definitely times in the game where you know the the Oregon fans were way louder at any point than the Stanford fans as is tradition um let's go ahead and start with uh Oregon Baylor so that game tipped off uh Monday night in one of the like ESPN does this thing where they play like 24 hours of straight basketball and Oregon Baylor is one of the first ones uh San Jose State was at Hawaii for one of the later ones which doesn't count for how much I love sports in Hawaii because it was inside a gym and they didn't really (laughs) do any cutaways um so Oregon Baylor uh there were a lot of bright spots and there was also room for improvement mostly mm-hmm. mostly uh on offense the defense played really well forced a lot of turnovers i think like 19 and they got over 20 points off of those uh but the offense did not click that well like some mm-hmm. of their possessions did not look good at all there was uh there was one point where uh dana altman took a timeout and then the ducks just like exploded out of that for uh 10 points um wasn't able to take notes during the game uh so i'm kind of just going off what i remember um Who was the who was the player that was like the McDonald's All American that I really liked? Like the six four was that Tyler Dorsey? Uh, yeah, Tyler Dorsey, mm-hmm. the guard. Yeah. So, also of note, uh, Oregon had five players score more than five points. Uh, yeah, they had one, two. The only four, person five who, guys in double figures. Yeah, the only person who didn't score. Like, Casey Benson scored nine points, but otherwise, uh, Chris Boucher was 15, Elgin Cook was 15, Dylan Brooks was 15, Tyler, or no, Dylan Brooks is 10, Tyler Dorsey's 12, and then Dwayne Benjamin is 13. And I think that's going to be the thing about this team this year is, I, I think, you know, like, you look at Baylor's stats from the game, and Al Freeman scored 22 points. Torian Prince had 10, and then everyone else kind of, you know, um, our Jonathan Motley had 17. But every, you know, it was very like, okay, these two guys went off and they kind of led the way. But I think that's going to be the thing with Oregon this year is I think there's, like, you're never going to be able to point to just one guy and say, if he doesn't get going, we're going to be screwed. Kind of in the way that, like, you know, last year with Joseph Young, it's like, if Joseph Young didn't get going, then we were in trouble. Mm-hmm. 
I don't think that's going to be the problem, like a problem this year. I just I think we're going to see a lot of these games where, like, you know, if you look at if you look at the team stats in general, like nobody's going to stand out as a scorer per se. Mm-hmm. But there's just going to be a lot of balanced scoring. That's kind of Dana Almond's thing, isn't it? It's yeah, just he, super balanced, and then last year he kind of had to rely on Joe Young a ton. Exactly, um, yeah. Which I, I mean, I, I like, I like the balance rather than having to rely on that one guy. Because if that one guy has an off night, then you're screwed. So, who do you think is going to get the ball in like very close situations, like Tyler Dorsey? From, I, I was able to watch a little bit of the game, and I would say just based on like from a. You know, if we're talking, okay, you have one possession left and you need to hit a game-winning shot here, who's going to get the ball? I'd say Tyler Dorsey. Okay. Um, I'm pumped for this year. This is the first season in a while where I'm actually pretty excited about it. Mm-hmm. So, like, we already had the talk about how uh, Oregon basketball doesn't have, like, a quote-unquote brand... Um, and there's nothing where like every year we know like X, Y, or Z is going to happen because really the only constants are that every year we have a bunch of players who we don't know and then Dan Altman exceeds all expectations somehow when he shouldn't. Yeah, exactly. Um, like people really wrote off Oregon early last year and Joseph Young like single-handedly like carried them. So, I'm psyched. Yeah, I'm, overall, I'm overall, I think that this team is going to be better than any team we've seen in recent years. Good, I'm glad. So, I'm I'm pumped because uh, didn't how far did they get last year? I don't know why I'm struggling so hard. Maybe because it's really last- early in the morning. I think the last two years they made it to the round of 32. Like when, was they their, made, when was the... Uh, Sweet 16. Sweet 16 was my senior year of college, so 2013. So maybe... It, okay, maybe it that's just, the one I'm thinking of. Didn't they or make maybe, it to the Elite Eight? And they no, they, no, they haven't made 16. it to the Elite Eight since like 07 or something. Okay. Um, yeah, I think 2013. Yeah, 2013, they went to the Sweet 16, and I think off the top of my head, I might be totally wrong, but I think they lost to Wisconsin. And then last year, they lost to Wisconsin in the second round, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, dope. I'm psyched. I really I keep saying that because I haven't been that psyched about Oregon basketball in a long time. Like, I was always like, yeah, I like Oregon basketball. I'm going to watch. They're the Ducks. And this year, these guys could be pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, back to football. I think Oregon is the hottest team in the Pac-12. Oh, without a doubt. Like, it's so unfortunate. Actually, maybe Washington State. Because Washington State, uh, I think Washington State and Oregon are about the same. 
mm-hmm. which makes the uh, the double overtime loss like much more okay. Right, exactly. It's like it's not like we lost to a team in double overtime and then they like they went on to, you know, lose the rest of their games. Like yeah. they're yeah, they're seven like they're exactly where we are. They're seven and three and five and two in the conference. Yeah. They beat and, UCLA. Yeah, they, they just beat, beat UCLA. hmm They are just they're a team of destiny too with how they're winning these games like they're gonna go to a respectable bowl game and that's gonna be a thing that we're all gonna witness yeah yeah that fan base deserves it too they put up with so much bs and like oh man good for coog center i'm psyched i'm pumped for those guys man that that portland state game is so funny um (laughs) You want to, the funniest stat I think there is from the last game? Mm-hmm. Time of possession. Uh, Oregon had 17 minutes and 54 uh, seconds of possession. Stanford had 42 and 6 seconds. And, boys and girls, that is why time of possession is literally the least irrelevant stat in all of football. Yeah, it was... Like, Dude, that that meant absolutely nothing. Um, where did it says on this box score that Oregon committed a turnover? I don't remember Oregon committing a turnover. Um, I do remember one. I think it was. Let me try and find it. I think it was an interception. No, it wasn't. It was. I guess it had to be a fumble then. Yeah, because I, j- I was just looking at that at the box score, and I was like, I don't remember Oregon ever turning the ball over. Mm-hmm. Um, Vernon Adams threw. <laughs> yeah, this is also what I remember about the game. Vernon Adams was 10 for 12. The, the Ducks yeah. did not pass a lot in this game. Yeah. He threw uh, for 205 yards and two touchdowns. And then Freeman had... 16 yeah they threw 12 passes and ran the ball 36 times mm-hmm. um so that, that that's only that's 48 plays that is not a lot like it's not a ton you know not at all like it's not many at all yeah. especially when Oregon uh like ran over 60 like near 70 against uh, Arizona State and Arizona State ran 108 plays mm-hmm. like it's just uh, it, it's just time and position does not matter yeah and I, I, go ahead I, I was just going to say as I'm going through the, the box score here and I, I get down. It, this is one area that I think Oregon needs to needs to improve on. Um, there, I, I, I'm sorry, Ian Wheeler, dude, you got to go, or you got to like get a bionic leg or something. His punting in that game was awful, and if you like, you know, people don't kind of 
especially when it's Oregon football and like always going for it on fourth down, yada yada yada. Like you don't put much value in punters, but like this isn't the you know this isn't the the Oregon that we used to know where it's like offense is never a problem in any game ever. It's like we've seen this offense just sputter out so many times this year. Yeah, and that almost like when it comes down to a back and forth game like this one was, and if it turns into a field position battle, that almost hurt us bad. He, he averaged 36 yards a punt. Like, that is uh, not good. There, there were some punts that he made where I, I looked at them and I was like, give me a chance, coach. I think I might be able to kick it a little further than that. Yeah. Yeah, his his average punt, his average punts were five yards longer than Aiden Schneider's <laughs> one goals. only longest field goal of thirty one yards. Oh my god, that's that shouldn't so that shouldn't be a thing. But luckily, it all worked out in the in the end, just because Kevin Hogan couldn't hang on to a football. Yeah. Twice. Oh, I, f- I found another turnover. I don't know why I forgot about it because it was weird. Um, Vernon Adams was getting pressured, and then he got caught from behind, and he tried to throw it, and then it like it wasn't a pass, uh, oh, but he was well, like in right. throwing motion, and it was a it was, it a, was fumble. a fumble where you're like secretly hoping and praying that the, like the Tom Brady tuck rule is going to save us and give us the ball back, and then Forty Eight straight caught it in the air, yeah. so it didn't matter. And then Oregon played really solid defense and only gave up a field goal when Stanford started at, like, the nine-yard line. Yeah, I remember that drive, and that was I, – I was I was at the game with my girlfriend, and I – when they were, you know, driving and they were within the red zone there, I looked at her and I was like, if they can just hold them to a field goal and give them three points here, that will be nothing shy of a miracle. Yeah. That was that stop was a pivotal point, um, because it you know it really came down to anything that came down to anything um, about it really just came down to like the game was that close where just those little moments made all the difference in the world. Yeah, like Stanford's missed field goal. Exactly. Yeah, like you can just pinpoint all these little moments and you could argue that like this was the game changer that was the game changer um yeah and and i really i i think one of the um one of the biggest moments in the game was was when aiden schneider hit his one and only field goal of the game because that put oregon up 38 to 30 mm-hmm if he doesn't hit that field goal, Stanford wins this game. Yeah. You know, Stanford wins it 37-30 or whatever it would have been. Um, or 37-35. Mm-hmm. So that field goal alone, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not saying, like, I'm we're going back here to the dark days of Molnado. Mm-hmm. And that I'm was, not saying... I'm not directly saying that Maldonado misses that kick, but I 
I'm saying that I'm much more confident in Aiden Schneider's ability. Oh, no, this, this dude doesn't hit anything. This dude's a stud when it comes to kicking. And, yeah, it, it's... That that one field goal made such a difference. Um, you know, just... It, it didn't... I, I guess it didn't seem like as big of a field goal until like the game was over and you look back on it and you're like whoa he misses that field goal and Stanford wins this game and we're having an entirely different conversation right now yeah um I was actually surprised with how many mistakes Stanford made Mm -hmm. because that's normally their thing is they don't make mistakes right they play very clean football yeah Kevin Hogan threw to Christian McCaffrey hit Christian McCaffrey in the face and Hardrick intercepted it. Hardrick has secretly been one of the best players the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, along with Coleman, Buckner's been blowing people up and pass rush. Uh, and then <laughs> Hogan fumbling the ball twice from yeah, under those, center. Exactly. Those those two fumbles, I, I you know... Like I said, you can pick out like little moments here and there and say those were the game changers. Those those were the clear, like it, in such a back and forth game like this, in such a close game, it comes down to turnovers and who's going to make who's going to make those mistakes and then who's going to capitalize off those mistakes. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, those those two fumbles killed Stanford because or Oregon's defense was not uh, they they looked a little bit better as the game went on, but early on, this was looking like it was going to be a you know, this was looked like it was going to be a hundred point shootout, you know. Um. So the, yeah, those those two fumbles really just swung everything in Oregon's favor. I also loved the return of the speed option, just straight up speed option. Ah, I love it. Um, what was the other oh Oregon did an awesome job limiting big plays Christian McCaffrey's longest play was an 18 yard reception Mm -hmm. Michael Rector had a 35 yard catch that was like a toss up Arian Springs played fantastic defense against one of Stanford's like 6'6 tight ends there's really only so much you can do when you're 5'11 against a 6'6 guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Royce Freeman averaged 6.6 yards a carry. Charles Nelson averaged 44 yards a carry. Uh, Braylon Addison averaged 12 yards a carry. Benai Benoit uh, was 5.8. Like, the Oregon run was so solid. Yeah. And... Uh, Man, with what Stanford looked like this season, I th- think, and especially what we can expect from our defensive front seven, mm-hmm. this was a pretty fantastic performance. Because Washington scored, or no, against Washington, Stanford scored 31. They scored 56 against UCLA, 55 against Arizona, 44, 
or 42 against Oregon State, 41 against USC, 30 against Washington State, 42 against Colorado. So 36 is on the lower end of all the Pac-12 scores. And we know Oregon's front seven hasn't been that good. Mm -hmm. Like, even in run defense, because teams could just avoid running to Coleman's side. And, like, there's only so much you can do with this front seven. And so when there's, like, eight or when there's four and five-man fronts and just filling all the gaps, so good. Yeah. So good. Um, And then Kevin Hogan got running plays. I hate those plays so much. Yeah, especially that he had that 22-yard touchdown run, and I was just like, we just let that happen? Like, Also, the worst pursuit angles and the worst tackling I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Oh, and guess who had the worst tackle on the goal line? Who was that? Just guess. Worst tackle on the goal line? It was maybe one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. And the announcers said, Kevin Hogan met blank at the goal line and just ran through it, ran through the tackle. I I got nothing. Hit me with it. Robinson. Ah, uh, yeah. He threw, like, a little hip bump trying to, like, blow the guy up. It's like, dude. <laughs> and Kevin it just Hogan did is, not happen. Yeah, it's like, dude, Hogan is bigger than you are. Stop doing this, like... You have got you got. It was the exact same thing that happened against Michigan State. He tried to like blow people up, and then nothing happened. Yeah. You gotta you gotta know your size, and you gotta know when the dude's bigger than you. Yeah, and also, uh, you're going to school for free. Tackle. Like sink your hips and wrap up, and stop doing this stuff where nothing happens. So. That's it's it's it bugs me. Yeah, it bugs me because tackles like that. I think he's the only one I've seen who routinely seems unable to tackle, and it's frustrating because he's mm-hmm. a senior. And yeah, you should have it figured out by that point. Yeah, so. That's my thing. People are like, oh, they need to get better at X, Y, and Z. And it's like, it's not going to happen in a couple weeks. They're seniors. Mm -hmm. If they haven't figured it out by now, they're not figuring it out. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. At one point, Vernon Adams was 10 for 10. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah, they they weren't throwing the ball much. But when they did, he was looking good. And again... Another huge, big play with Darren Carrington with the 47-yard touchdown pass. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, man. How does he get open? How does he get open? I'm so confused because he's the best receiver, and he routinely is just all by himself. Yeah. I'm, I'm convinced that if Vernon Adams was healthy all year and he had Darren Carrington all year, that... This team is is nine and one right now, but alas, yeah. Hey, projections are looking good. Holiday Bowl, last time I saw. No, they were set for the Las Vegas Bowl. I want I want the Holiday Bowl. I have no desire in Vegas. San Diego sounds really nice. Yeah, good point. Hey, anything beats the Foster Farmers Bowl, right? 
<laughs> oh my god. Or what's the one in San Francisco? Is is that the one in San it, Francisco? That, it used to be it used to be at AT&T Park in the Craft Fight Hunger Bowl. And now since they built Levi's Stadium, it's the the Foster Farms Bowl. God. Where you can get endless supplies of Foster Farms chicken and break your ankles on their turf in the process. Oh, fantastic. Oh, one of my favorite plays. Taj Griffin on the wheel route. Vernon Adams drops it perfectly in. And Taj Griffin tries to turn up, uh, turns up field back to the inside when uh, one of the Stanford safeties completely bites over the top uh, on a Darren Carrington block. Like Darren Carrington was blocking someone downfield and the receiver jumped over to the sideline. Taj Griffin runs back inside. Uh, the Stanford player gets off his block, and Taj Griffin runs right into him in the back. Yeah. Like, I had no idea what happened. One of the funnier plays. This front seven, though, like the defense really showed up. Mm-hmm. Get, like, 36 points, sure, but given what we could have expected from the defense like they outperformed what i think they were like this was the i think maybe the best they've played i mean they did the exact same thing against like michigan state they surpassed like all expectations and like they kept us in the michigan state game yeah exactly they show up so and they did let me look at this they were very I hate this like I'm really beginning to hate this uh, this word but they were like really opportunistic they had three turnovers and they were able to get Stanford off the field a ton the only thing I, I think this is Stanford's thing though is third down although Oregon has really sucked against third down Stanford was 12 of 17 mm-hmm. although their third downs were always like third and three three and four third and one they never get like third and nines like that never happens right so that's always difficult to defend like obviously especially against Stanford yeah there there were definitely um, a lot of times where it was those those short yardage situations and I just looked over and I was like oh god it's the phone booth formation. Yeah. And oh. I just had, like, PTSD flashbacks. Oh, yeah, where uh, Stanford has, like, there's plays where Stanford has nine offensive line in. Yeah. Or they've ha- they'd have eight offensive line, uh, Hogan, McCaffrey, and then one tight end on the edge. Stanford is fully turned in those formations. <laughs> you're, not, you're not stopping those. You can only... You can just you only hope to contain them. And yeah. Don't. Yeah. You basically just blow up the line of scrimmage, make it look as ugly as possible, and then hope that the one of the linebackers can make a play. Yeah. So, takeaways. Uh, the running game was fantastic. Oh, Dwayne Stanford also played really well at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, the front seven maybe did given the offense they were facing and their weaknesses and the defense's weaknesses, that was maybe one of their best games of the year. 
um, the explosion plays. Just wow. So many huge plays. Like Charles Nelson, huge. Taj Griffin, huge. Royce Freeman, huge. Darren Carrington, huge. Uh, Bayless even had a huge uh, catch. Like everyone showed up. Mm-hmm. Everyone plays so well. Um, so, I mean, as much as Stanford, like, Stanford kind of had a rough day against Washington State, but then Washington State's surging. Michigan State uh, was, is great, but they definitely play down to the level of their opponent. Um, it was just a, an, a really impressive performance, and I'm so happy that Stanford lost their national title run uh, because of Oregon, because I hate Stanford, and I hate how they're nerds. Uh, also, I loved how uh, the announcers were talking about uh, Stanford's majors and how it wasn't like rocks for jocks. <laughs> Those were their rocks for jocks majors. Like, their, their rocks for jock majors aren't sociology like Oregon's is. Yeah, and... Uh, they have, and- like, they have other ones that sound impressive, but... The there was a like a link a list of like classes and majors that were leaked a bunch of years ago, of the easy ones at Stanford. Is so, it like quantum physics one hundred and one? No, it's I forget what it is off the top of my head right now because it's early for me. On the on the subject of nerds too, um, they have at one of their at one of their nacho stands mm-hmm. they have I forget what was in it but they had an order of nachos and they called it the nerd nachos god I hate them because of course they did of course of course so yeah well the hardest part about Stanford is getting in so there's no way that many people are walking out with three nines and they're being <laughs> honest with themselves <laughs> so let's talk about USC because I know mm-hmm. you have to go soon um, I've got about got about five minutes here, so we'll do a quick run through. Too turned up, I can't turn down. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so Stanford or USC is seven and three. Oregon is seven and three. Oregon's going to be number twenty three. USC is going to be number twenty two. Uh, it is USC just lost a couple linebackers. Um, which is obviously not great mm-hmm. uh, because those guys are injured now. Um, but let me see if I can find their names. Uh, yeah, so biggest one of the biggest pluses is USC is off their NCAA sanctions, which were a joke. The Miami team saying that they're basically like this bastion of uh, integrity. And then the, uh, well, I don't even remember the guy's name, Shapiro, Shapiro. Mm-hmm. Um, which was even uh, Miami basketball coaches are hanging out with this guy. Um, so they lost uh, starting middle linebacker Cameron Smith and senior middle linebacker Lamar Dawson um, from injuries suffered. And then guard uh, Tom Maveo May- injured his knee. Um, so... Those guys are out. Uh, one of the big uh, reasons why UC, uh, USC beat uh, Utah was their outstanding linebacker play. Mm-hmm. Like that was the one where 
they really that was the game where that was the one where they were finally like quote unquote back and a lot of that was due to their linebackers playing so well and forcing three turnovers they had one player one <laughs> freshman linebacker who had three interceptions one went for a touchdown the other one the other two gave him really short fields so i think so what do you what do you think Oregon has to do to capitalize off those missing linebackers um run up the middle like really really hard which has really been working for Oregon this whole year Mm -hmm. going between the tackles um I mean Royce Freeman is uh with uh Leonard Fournette Derrick Henry um, and Dalvin Cook, like the, get the running backs who I think are actually really amazing, who are like transcend their offensive line. I also think Dalvin Cook is the best running back. I think he's the best player in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, he should win the Heisman, but he's not going to because he's uh, pushed for Florida State, but he's like 78% of their offense. Mm-hmm. He like never gets caught. He is the most patient runner. Like he's unbelievable. Um, I think he's the best running back by far. Yeah. Uh, On uh, Freeman, Boris Freeman, I mean, he's not going to win it, but he was named a semifinalist for the Doak Walker Award. I think he'll be a finalist. He'll be a finalist, yeah. He won't win it, but it's good to have the name in the running. Um, Darren Carrington is listed on the depth chart as second behind Dwayne Stanford. I'm confused. Interesting. <laughs> you'll, you, uh, you'll appreciate the title of our quack fix this morning. It just says Carrington's open. Yeah, because he always is. He's I don't understand. Uh, let's see. Um, oh yeah, I had a really hard time not being really snarky in Stanford in uh, the write-up I did for Stanford when they asked uh, how's Oregon going to deal with its Stanford problem. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> it was like twenty nine point difference last time. We're well, going three of the what? last five. Now you have an Oregon problem. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's not like it's not like any team really has a problem. It's just they're very different styles, and then one just happens to play better the other year. So, so man, I hate that thing so much. It's just so lazy to say Oregon has a Stanford problem. If it wasn't for the 2011 year, we would not be hearing that at all. Yeah, exactly. I don't think. Because, God. Even though the tight end's uh, shoulder was down outside. He was still out. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Well, Pac-12 refs suck. If you're in a position where uh, uh, the refs decide your fate, then that's what happens. That's your fault. Um, match your predictor on ESPN has gives USC a 64% chance of winning. Interesting. That is so high. I would I would say I I, I feel like this is gonna be another close one, but I feel I'm I'm gonna give it Oregon by a touchdown over USC. Bold move. I'm shocked. I I initially picked against Oregon uh when they played Stanford and 
You know, or you know, maybe maybe I do need to pick USC just because I picked Washington to yeah. win this year and I was wrong. I picked Stanford to win and I was wrong. So I just need to pick against Oregon and we'll be fine. That's that's clearly what's happening here. This is so weird. I'm looking at Oregon's like metrics stuff on like Pick Center. Oregon has a 64% chance to beat the spread, which they're favored in. Uh, then team rankings picks is USC. Mm-hmm. The number of fire picks is USC. Mm-hmm. None of this makes any sense. Like all of these algorithms are so far apart from each other. So uh, let's take a quick look at USC's last game, and I know you gotta go. Uh, or no, their last Colorado, which uh, Colorado kept close. Um, Cody Kessler, seventeen of twenty-seven for three touchdowns and an interception. Um, Justin Davis had 85 yards rushing. Juju Smith-McCluster is absolutely amazing. So Aaron Smith or Aaron Springs is going to ball have to ball out against him because Juju is legit. He's one of the best receivers in the country. Adoree Jackson is going to be terrifying on defense. He might be able to slow Darren Carrington. Mm-hmm. Just say. For once in the season, Darren Carrington might actually not be open. Yeah, all the time. He may he may sprinkle open a little bit, but I don't know how he does it so much. It's 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 unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I don't know how. I just don't know how he does it. Um. So USC still has a shot of. Uh, uh, oh, they're actually leading the Pac-12 South. And you picked... Did you pick USC or Arizona State to win at the beginning of the year? Arizona State. Okay. Well, close. Um, well, I picked uh, Utah. No, I picked uh, UCLA. Yeah. They're having a rough time right now. Um, so, Oregon's peaking at the right time. Um, getting a ton of explosion plays. Joe Walker was huge in coverage. Um, I think and then USC is literally not playing drunk anymore <laughs> um, so but uh, yeah I think Juju Smith and the USC pass passing attack could really burn um, downfield yeah that's gonna be a that's gonna be a must is containing him it reminds me of the game in 2012 where USC had Matt Barkley and Marquise Lee and Oregon had Kenyon Barner rushing or with like 300 yards of offense. That's what I... that That's the closest game I think that's going to happen. So, yeah. Alright, you gotta go. Uh, that will... Do it for us at uh, Sling and Quack. Just uh, we'll just leave the quack out here because we didn't get be able to uh, get to everything as much as we wanted. But uh, we're just gonna leave it out. You can take what you want, um, and we'll probably have a whole another truckload next week because basketball's back. Oregon's playing USC. 
all great things in uh, Oregon sports. See you guys later.